Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, the crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet, all hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Thank you so very, very much, and welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Tony Award winner, publicist, and Broadway producer, Irene Gandy. She's the first and only Black woman registered in the Association of Theatrical Press Agents and Managers. Irene has worked with a diverse group of artists, including Lena Horne, Bob Fosse, uh, David uh, uh, Mamet, uh, the Jackson Five, LaBelle, Patti Lapone, Felicia Rashad, and many others. And Irene was inducted into the New York Public Library's Lincoln Center Performing Arts Library. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say the legendary Irene Grandy is what's hot. Hello there, Thanks, Irene. Um, thank you for um, that glowing introduction that reminds me I have to get a library card so I can look myself up. Um, <laughs> but no, it was <laughs> really, but it's a great, it was a great honor to be in the Performing Arts Library. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Schomburg. So let me just say that. Hopefully right. I'll be in there soon. Um, but um, to be able to uh, be inducted so people can look me up and see, <laughs> no, she really said that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, the, for folks who don't know, for folks who listen outside of uh, New York, the uh, Schomburg is also part of the New York Public Library system as well. So right. so all we got to do is move the card over to, yeah, the, to uh, black the culture. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think so, I might get in there once the white people, I'm cultured now with the white people, maybe a couple of <laughs> years later, the black people have let me in the Schomburg. Before I die, I want to see. It. But no, I wow. love the Schoenberg. I love the Schoenberg um, uh, because they really support the arts. And anytime I have a show on Broadway with people of color, I make sure we have a panel and support the Schoenberg uh, Library. Uh, yeah, they do good and work. They they do, and plus they've got a new director, executive director now. Oh, she's Joyce. amazing. She's amazing. Joyce I met her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Women do it. Very, very Women do it. That's right. So, Irene, it is such a pleasure to have you. I mean, you, you're hot off of the, the Tony Awards and uh, uh, you have two Tonys. Tell us about yes. your two Tonys. Well, the first thing I have to say, I'm a behind the scenes person, Jakeith, and I had to do these interviews for the Tony's Award and I don't like it. So I, but for you, I came out of retirement to do <laughs> post Tony interview um well the first thank you uh, first i appreciate that <laughs> no seriously you know me i'm really behind the scene well my first one i've got in, i received in 2012 what is it Two, ooh, 2012 mm -hmm. and this is for the Ger gershman's porgy and best which i saw which beautiful, beautiful which was very uh, you know um diane paulus directed it mm -hmm. and uh and Audrey McDonald, the great Audrey McDonald, great did performance. About, did a Lady Day story, and Norm mm. Lewis and David Allen Greer. They right. it was it was really exciting to work in that production because um, Susan Laurie Parks' the direction, uh, the, the 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 book, it was like made Porgy. It was something you'd be proud of. It was not the old feel sorry for Porgy, blah 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 blah. You know, it was really mm -hmm. a positive mm -hmm. production. I felt, and I won this as part of the producing team with Jeffrey Richards. And I'm all, I'm, I'm just, I'm really the first black woman to really win a Tony. That because I can't sing or dance or choreograph or direct so as a producer, <laughs> so I'm happy about that. And then this one. Um, you know, like the, sorry, like the Kennedy honors, you know, they give honors for people in industry for a long time. And mm -hmm. I'm very happy to see we have received this. Only poor people got them um, for being an interest. It's like a lifetime achievement award. And uh, they because I said, oh, my God, why am I getting this? Because of George Floyd and, you know, all the systematic <laughs> racism. So, oh, no, no, we decided on this. And I, and I do know they decided like four or five years ago you know, in advance, because you only get four. Mm -hmm. They only they, they gave them in terms of media and stuff. So I'm very happy t 
could receive this. But I was more happy because none of us have been out when I was on the red carpet and seeing everybody. You know, normally everyone's like posing and pictures, which we had to do. But the minute we saw each other, we were like running around like a family. Hey, you touched, you know. So it was like the camera said, come on, stop. We need pictures, you know. So it was really. And sharing this honor with Woody King, who's a long time. Yes, um, Woody. Yeah. Woody just celebrated his 50th anniversary uh, yeah. for the uh, New Federal Theater. New Federal Theater, and they yeah. received a special Tony. And uh, I have to give a shout out to all of those guys. You're like Douglas Turner Ward, none of us would be there. And and I think I think I sent you my acceptance speech. Yes. Did you yes. look at it? It's, I you know, looked I think, at it. You thanked everybody. And I thank all, all of them. Except me. You, you you thank everybody. I told you people were going to be mad if I didn't hear, but they know who they are. <laughs> you did say that, yeah, yeah. You did say that. Well, look here. Tell tell you look gorgeous on the red carpet. Tell us whose design was that? Okay, all right. This is a true story, not made up, not fabricated, not trying to be funny for this show. So because <laughs> I care so much about these things, I'm not. So I ordered a month ago. I ordered a dress for forty one dollars and ninety seven cents, a secret dress from China. Really? $41.97. $41.97. Well, the dress came, it took a month to came, so it came that Wednesday before the Sunday. Mm -hmm. But it came in a manila envelope. (laughs) 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 Okay. I I said, what are are people sending me? So when I opened up, it was like a gift wrap. <laughs> My cat is still looking for the sprinkles. I just had the floating garbage. So then I went to David's Bridal and they had old, old Cassini. And the reason I know about David's Bridal is because um, uh, another uh, who's made, making history is uh, Sosa, Emilio Sosa. You guys mm-hmm. might know him from uh, Project One Way, but he also did all the costumes from Motown. And so we were in there one day and they had like nice dresses. I said, well, let mm-hmm. me go to David's Bridal. So that was the Ola Cassini. And then my belt, I bought like, that was like $10. I had bought that like long time ago uh-huh. in the garment district. And my chunky jewelry, so my beautiful necklace. I think I got that. I remember the, um, the district in, for, in New York, we have a jewelry district. Yes, yes. All gone, costume yeah. jewelry. And I got that. Oh, I paid a big whopping uh, $20 for that one, but it was like 10 years ago. And, you know, I'm not matchy-matchy. So I said, oh, God, I was looking so straight and so, like, red carpety. I'm like, I, at the last one, I said, no, I, this is not me because I have to feel my clothes. Uh-huh. I, you know, so, yeah, but I made all the, I'm on AP, I made all the dress lists. So, you certainly yeah. did. Well, yeah. we're, we're going to, uh, on our video here, we're going to edit that in so that okay. when when we put it on Harlem America TV, our, our TV channel, people will be able to see your $10 belt and your and, and your, <laughs> <laughs> and your your outfit. Uh, but you were gorgeous. So, Thank okay, you. you're welcome. So let's take the Wayback Machine now. And, okay. and let's go way back to the beginning. Uh, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Uh, tell us a little well, bit about your history. Okay, so first, for all of those out there who I'm going too fast, you can Google me, okay? But for <laughs> G. Keith, that's my normal answer, Google me. <laughs> but for you, G. Keith, I'm going to tell you. Thank you. Well, I grew up in Westbury, Long Island. Um, uh, my dad and mom, they were the first, one of the first black families to settle there in 1935. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1943. I had two parents. And uh, we had a nice time. We had a nice life. We built a house from, you know, um, that we, there was not, my mom was a domestic on the Phipps estate, which is now Old Westbury, you know, and my godfather was a groom. And so I learned, uh, my mom would bring home a lot of stuff that we can learn artistically and stuff. So I had a good time, you know, you know, we weren't, we weren't like trying to be, we weren't looking for validation. Um, there are two things I remember when I was seven years old, the cop stopped my father um, and and he said, you know, my father said, why, why are you stopping me? And he said, well, just get out of the car. And, and my father said, well, I have a blue suit at home, too. And that's, you know, that's how I was raised. And we weren't trying. My, my dad never let white people in his house because I was raised. You own what you own. You can do whatever you want with it because he was from the South. They didn't let me in. You know, we, you know, we all know about people, African-American culture. Some of us know 
our age that, you know, you pay the insurance, you pay $2 for 25 years and you only get $500. So the insurance for me would come around every week with $2. And my my dad wouldn't let them in the house. My, it would be raining, snowing. I'm going to say, no, it's mine. My dad said no. So I grew up with that kind of spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and how I got um, to New York, uh, uh, Mrs. Pipps, they gave me a letter of credit for NYU. That was in 1961. So I graduated when I was like 16. So I went to NYU in 1961. And I was there for six weeks. Because I was like, this is stupid. You know, <laughs> and then I just stayed in the village, which I'm in now. And I was a village. I was buck wild. Because I'd never been anywhere. Because my parents were old. You had to be home at 930. So when I got to Greenwich Village, guys in New York, I was just buck wild. You know, I hung out with Richie Havens and put a talk from the monkeys. It was like a really? whole big community, you know, Sun Ra, all of Ooh. us, you know. So it was it was really fun. And then um, back in those days, people were either doing LSD or something like that. That was a trend. But I've never drank or smoked, so I went to acting school for one day. And then for I met. Day? One day I went to acting school, one class. It was Richard mm-hmm. Frankel's class, Gene Frankel workshop. I'll never forget. And then I met a guy in the workshop who t- took me to an opening night party on Circle and Square. And there was a guy there, a casting director, and he said, oh, I'm doing a movie called A Man Called Adam. It was Jimmy mm-hmm. Davis Jr. We're looking oh, for yes. extras. Would you like to be an extra? I said, yeah. So I had one day back, and the next thing I know was in the movie. I said, <laughs> this is cool. You know, <laughs> and so I was an extra. And then um, and then, you know, then we had roommates. I lived on Lower East Side and but I never liked the acting so much. I only did one movie. I didn't like I didn't like people who pick people. I mean, I'm not a pick. I want to be the one to pick people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I knew that early on. And then I went on with, you know, my stuff. And then when we returned 21, me and my roommate, we said, oh, you know, when you're young, you think you did everything, especially about I'm 21. I'm, I've done everything. I'm going. Let's go to Jamaica, not Queens. We were going to do Jamaica. Let's do Jamaica now. Let's do uh-huh. Jamaica now. <laughs> and um, what happened the day I turned 21 was the day that uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. The John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that. And then she was going with this bartender in Harlem that that his boss had the black uh, a black uh, lodge in Casco's. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was called Utopia Lodge. It was Peg Leg Bates and Utopia Lodge. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. Peg Leg Bates yeah. Lodge. Peg Leg Bates. And there was New another yeah. one called Utopia Lodge. Mm-hmm. So she was going to get be the singer. And I used to dance like and I used to do like my little go-go dancing. You know, not like now. Not, I'm, you know, because I, you know, not like, you know, not like Cardi <laughs> B and all those guys. But, you know, Shindig and, you know, like that. Yeah. And so I said, OK, I'll be the go-go dancer. And we got there, but she didn't get the job. And I got to go to the dancer job. Oh, and really? I got the band. But it was like, well, you know, it was just with the band when people came up with their church groups. So that's mm-hmm. where I met my husband. And that's where Myra came. And we just like, we were only people like talk and stuff. And then I came back to, you know, fast forward. I had Myra and I was living in a building where this guy, he was writing children. Remember the Electric Circus Keith? Oh, yes. Yes. I yeah. remember. And, um, and that was, for those who don't know, that was the real studio, 54. That was in, in the East Village. And he was in my building and he wrote children's stories. He wrote children's plays for the matinee, um, for the children, um, children's plays for the lecture mm-hmm. shockers on the matinees. Mm-hmm. And when I, and then his owl was sick to play the owl. And he said, oh, Irene, you're an actress. Could you mind playing the owl? So I said, oh, okay. You know, so me, I slept me. I went over there and that was in 1968 where I met, I was reunited with one of the guys I grew up from high school with. Fred Garrett. Mm-hmm. And we were so happy to see each other. And he said, I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, my friend is general manager of Electric Circus, blah, blah. And he said, well, I'm working for a place called the Negro Ensemble Company. And, and he told me about Douglas Turner Award and good, so you can get into the union, but they wanted to have a resident company like school for mm-hmm. Blacks for mm-hmm. Freedom. You can have excellence in your theater and stuff like that. But like, you know, if you're in a union, if you're not in a union, no matter how good you are, no one's going to see you. Right. And so Douglas Turner Ward, the late Douglas Turner Ward, um, and, and Gerald Croner, Robert Hooks, his actor, they formed this com- company. And on the administrative side, 
they were looking for the press agent. But, and, you know, in the 60s, everybody wanted to be in movies or whatever. They wanted to act. Mm-hmm. So, he, mm-hmm. so he said, nobody wants to be a press agent. You know, the white people wanted, white, they, everybody applied for the job, but it was called a Negro Ensemble Company. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, I mean, I know I haven't seen you, but I'm going to have to hire a white person. Would you go up there just for the interview? Because I said, okay. So I went up with an interview. I knew I wasn't going to get a job because I didn't mm-hmm. know what a press agent was, except I'm an old movie buff. So May West, my press agent, kidnapped me. So, and I inter- interviewed, I ended up interviewing the interviewer and I really? got the job. And I'm still doing the same thing right now politics, prostitution, and public relations. <laughs> Dressed up Plunky's job. And maybe the governor's, but I don't have the house. Yeah. So there it is. There it is in a nutshell, people. Well, 50 years. You. Well, thank you very much, because we're going to take a short break right now. We have the legendary Irene Gandy. She just told <laughs> us her, 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 her early beginnings, and we're going to find out more about some of the people she has worked with and some of the productions she's been involved with. So don't go away. I do want to remind you, though, please go to our website at HarlemAmerica.com to see some of the great articles we have and some of the great podcasts we've done in the uh, uh, early on. And uh, we also have the brand new show we just debuted two weeks ago, the the, uh, Foxworth Theory with Miss Eugenia Foxworth. So please check us out on HarlemAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Oh, she's going to be mad because... She asked me that um, somebody asked me to do that show. I'm not said I'm not doing that show. So just let her know. I don't know her. I don't know her. So don't be mad. Be mad at you. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. Thank you. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80 percent of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them. They subscribe to them. And they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you so very, very much, Kevin. <clears throat> we are here with the... Uh, uh, th- this woman uh, has uh, been involved with so many productions on Broadway. Uh, probably, uh, Irene, would you say about 100 productions? At least. Tell us about some I've been of the doing it 50 years. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about that because everyone, you know, everyone asked me, what was your favorite show? And, I, you know, I, I don't know because I'm, I get excited about all of them, but because I'm because I'm a marketer, I have to be objective. But I did enjoy the writers. I like David Mammoth, who did Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, of course, August Wilson. I didn't really work on many of August Wilson's shows, mm-hmm. um, but I do like his writing. Um, Bob Fosse, uh, mm-hmm. I loved. I was on the road with him for a year. Oh, really? Um, matter of fact, he passed away um, when I was. He was. He was a. He was an amazing person, um, but you know he got caught up in you know the Michael Jackson. You know, you know how when you don't know when you're at the party and they're playing some music, you don't really know what to do with. 
<laughs> you know, because you pat, you you're there. Mm-hmm. It's just that he was at a point where the musical comp, the musical was over. I mean, because people are doing videos now, and he was mm-hmm. a choreographer. But I think I, I think at the end it was hard for him. I, I, I'm just speaking for myself because I was with him, but, but he didn't really know it fit because he never used to come on the road. But toward the end, he came on the road all the time, and, he, and uh, so. Um, and I worked with, um, of course, all the plays at Negro Ensemble Company. Um, there's some new playwrights. Uh, I just, I don't know. I worked with Lena Horne. I mean, because I don't really get caught up in the in the in the people. I get caught up in the what the message is, because I have to be passionate about it, work on it. Mm-hmm. As, as a, a, a great press agent, late press agent said, my review is not going to sell one ticket. What I think. And I also remember that I've never written any plays or scores or things like that. But um, but the relationships I've had along the way, they have been amazing. Um, and uh, I've learned a lot and they've learned a lot from me. So I'm working. I'm excited about taking my expertise about uh, because everyone's talking about Broadway, Broadway. But Black theater companies like New Heritage Theater and Crossroads. You know, they still have been operating, bringing excellence to the communities. So now I'm consulting for Crossroads, which is doing great work. You know, they're doing a piece that's opening tomorrow night called Emergency with the great Daniel Bates-Coy, So, yeah, so that's it. And then um, the young man named, uh, this show on Broadway just opened called Thoughts of a Cult Man, um, which I saw a dress rehearsal last night was amazing. And these are young people that were not they're not bringing any emotional baggage with them they're not the i can'ts they're the i can'ts and they i'm doing mm-hmm. they don't have i can't they say i can't they don't even say they just say, i'm doing this is what i'm doing like like it a lot a little bit this is who i am and i like that now it's just like 10 black shows on broadway yeah tell us yeah. How, now how did that come about i mean all of a sudden after the <laughs> pandemic Broadway turns black. How, how did well, that happen? I think, I think, uh, I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm voicing my views, not the voice of Voice of America or Jeff Keats. I think with all the racist, I think pandemic really helped a lot mm-hmm. of people in their humanity. It helped and it hurt. Well, it didn't hurt. It helped because we was, sti- I, I, I'd still say if we weren't stuck at home, the George Floyd and the, all of the, I'm, I say George Floyd, but and I pay homage, not homage, I mean, my heart goes out to all of the ones that didn't make the news. I think people saw really, because I think that, uh, I think people of non-color think that we just, oh, what do you want? What do you want? Well, here we go again. But it's not, I think we all, even myself, I really realize how, what goes on in America. Because we live in, in, in a special box you know, we, people like you and I, and a lot of people, we never, you know, we live in our own world. You know, we have theater, we have music, and we never know what, what really goes on. And I think that the people that had the powers of be, that happened because they wanted to show um, the, the, the plays and stuff and, and the talent has already been out there, but the money mm-hmm. has not been out there. Mm-hmm. So when NYC the state gave them $16 billion. I'm sure it was to bring back these shows or, you know, so that's how it happened. Like you can love, love a tuxedo in the window or love a dress, or have passion for it. But the first thing you need is say, how much is it? And so it's sometimes diversity has to do, there's no diversity, I think, on first, first on Broadway. I mean, there's no, because we use the same, lighting designers, you know, because we use people we trust. I mean, that's the way it is. You know, we still go to a show about the New York Times. We look for them to tell us. But I mean, it's, an old, it's an old system, but it's changing. So I think that's what it is. And I think for me to see um, um, these Black shows on Broadway, whether they run a day or an hour, they, they have achieved a status where they can say I was on Broadway. These, because you these, want to be validated by your excellence, you know. Right, you know, right. you want to know. You don't want to have. You want to get. Do you want to? You don't want to get dressed up to the nines and have nowhere to go. Right. <laughs> or you. Or you. You don't want to get dressed up to the nines and 
a person, no offense, the person who has no style or has no taste is commenting what you're wearing. So that's what I, you know, equate these young people or all people mm. that are coming on Broadway. I, I, I was fortunate in my earlier career to play Broadway for a week. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. Where was I, that? Well, it was at the Palace Theater. The uh, Needlanders called me and asked me if I would uh, be the MC for the Josephine Baker show for a week. And that's so- where we met. And I said, now we not know where we met because Howard, Howard, he had an advertising agency. I know exactly. This is where we met. Vicky. I was trying to figure out where we met. We, and- we were, that's exactly where we met because you remember he. He came to Washington. He had the first. This is a black man. He had the first cable. Remember, he had the first cable. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. where we met. Because he terrible. hired me. Really? This is what. Oh my God! I forgot I did the Josephine Baker stuff. Wow. Well, see now. Okay, so now wow. we know. Now we know. Okay, so uh, wow. <laughs> and that That's goes where back. It was. To, that goes back to the seventies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. how his last name he was. Name was, but he has an advertising agency. We were uh, uh, Howard Sanders. That's exactly. Oh, thank you. That's where we Howard met. Howard Sanders. Okay. All right. Wow. Uh, I used to I used to go to his office all the time and watch right. him make deals. Yeah, he 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 was always making deals. Yeah, Talk but he fast. he had yeah he brought the first cable to uh, to um, Washington. I remember. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We digress. Go ahead. What else you want to know? Okay. So <laughs> uh, yeah. So 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 out of these. These 10 Broadway shows, they had to be some heavy white investments. Uh, the, these shows were put up by white investors, right? Well, they got some money from, yeah, I guess some of them. I don't really know. I don't want to. I think, uh, yes, white investors. White investors have to put up white investors for their shows. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, Broadway is expensive. And whoever has the money. But the show that, um, that, I, that, have made, that is making history. Mm-hmm. Is the one thoughts of a cult man, which is all the money is put up by the black producers. Really, Brian Brian Moreland. I took him, uh, Brian. I took him under my wing five mm-hmm. years ago. Um, Brian Moreland, Ron Simons, who uh, was uh, I met him doing my producing team of Porgy and Bess. You have Candy Burris from mm-hmm. Housewives, but she's also from Escape, and she's a total businesswoman. She's more than that. You have mm-hmm. Shirley Ralph, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm saying, oh, and Samara Wiley, Samira Wiley. So these young people are putting their money in where their mouth is. And of course you have to, you have to have the Nederlanders and the Schubert because they own the theaters. So right, they've right. kicked in as part of the producers to pay the cost. That's what that means. You know, they, they'll have, you know, they won't charge them because too much. <laughs> Oh, well, that, that's yeah. great. I'm, I'm very happy yeah. to hear that. So now, so I'm a- happy that I live to see it after 50 years of Broadway. I live to see that. <laughs> yes. And yes. the plays directed by a black playwright, mm-hmm. associate director, the general manager is black. I mean, so it's mm-hmm. really nice. So it's nice to see that. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that's not the last time that this uh, sort of uh, 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 investment happens with uh, our own uh, productions and things. But now, well, I, 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 you've me off, but I mm-hmm. equated to love. You either you love if you if you love once, if it was the last a year or last a minute, you you never know love until you loved it all. So it's That's there. Right. Whether last, whether you know, we have to know how to, I think we were talking, we're as African-Americans, we know how to be hired, but we don't know how to be fired. And it's okay to be fired because sometimes being fired has nothing to do with you. It's not something you've done. It's like That's a casting true. job. You know, That's just because you didn't get the part doesn't mean that you are not, that you're not ready for the next project. That's true. I've it's been about fired. the audition. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I've been fired two or three times from radio stations, not because right. I not because I wasn't good enough, but right. because, because they woke up one morning and decided they wanted to change the format or they wanted yeah. to, 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 to get their, do, they wanted you, to get their you, friend in or something. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember um, he's the late Clyde um, Barnes. He was a, a critic for The New York Times and mm-hmm. Austin Salzberg, the a, 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 a publisher, he went to a party. And somebody, somebody said, say, oh, I'm Austin Sullivan. So the lady says, oh, you, what do you do? I'm Austin Sullivan. Times he says, oh, you know Clyde Barnes? He said, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the next thing you know, Clyde Barnes is working for the New York Post. 
No, so that's <laughs> that's how things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so I mean, so that's what we have to learn. I mean, we don't have to learn it, but we don't have to, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, being a publicist uh, for a for Broadway, uh, uh, how the heck did you become? A producer. I mean, that's not a normal thing for a publicist to become a, a Broadway producer. Is well, it? the thing is, I'm like a show like uh, um, as a publicist, you don't have much say. Mm-hmm. As you know, you have publishers you tell them what to do and you try to be nice. Right. As a producer, you know, they can't tell you, you know, you just, you know, you're trying to like, like I said, you're trying to you're the mediator or, you know, if like you say, you want to be in New York Times. I can't tell you the Times that you're not big enough. So, you know, <laughs> you, ch- you know, I can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. But as a producer for for um, these shows, I get to have a say in the advertising dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I go into my community, I get to share the things that they don't necessarily know about that's happening in the white community. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like a whole big thing. It's, it's, it's just tried and true. And I try not to do the tried and true. You know, like... Um, like Thoughts of a Color Man was a dress rehearsal. Now, normally on Broadway shows, they invite the group sales, they invite blah, 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 blah. But me, I invited, you know, the head of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. I invited um, the pastor's aid ladies. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but, you know, yeah. I invited Billy Billy um, Council that owns the Cobra Harlem Young Business Owners, mm-hmm. you know, because I know I invited Londell, that you know, the politician that works for Inez, that mm-hmm. New York State Assembly. So I know these things that would help sell the show. So as a producer, I can do that, you know. So that's that's what it is, you know. Things of like so producer means meanings produce dollars. You either have the dollars <laughs> and shut up, or you don't have them. And you know, I never spend my own money because what I'm bringing to the table. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. But we're we're all producers. If somebody puts together, like I tell people, people say, "Oh, you know, it takes a lot of money." But we're all producing. People produce a birthday party, or event, or you do your a, a barbecue, or you have take your girls out for the night. But that's a producer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you can get and say, "Girl, give me ten dollars because I need it," because we all doing this. If if you give me ten dollars, we can do this. We can if we if you give just me ten dollars. And it costs fifty dollars to take a yacht boat, and you only have ten, and you can get together. And then you're a producer, because you made the contact, you got the money, you got the boat, and so you know. You made it happen. You made it happen. You just make it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't start with the big stuff. Start with the little stuff. Little stuff. Okay, so tell us, uh, you know, for your your fans and my fans and folks listening. I have fans. Yeah, you got a few. You know. Okay. And, and funny enough, they love you too. Uh, 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 give us some little anecdotes, some little funny stories about Broadway or some of the productions that you've you've been in uh, that we don't know and we, we we think it would be of interest. I don't know. That's why I'm still working because I don't have any funny stories or anecdotes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I was thinking about that. Um, oh, I will tell you one. I can tell you when I was okay. working with Lena Horn. She mm-hmm. was at the Nederlander Theater for people in times. People don't know Times Square it was really seedy there, right? Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. seedy there, and you know, the the uh, prostitutes or uh, women of women for hire. They were like near the Port Authority bus station because that's where the Nederlander Theater was. Right, and they would be out there, to, you know, tricking, you know, doing what they do to make a living. And everybody was upset because it was Lena Horn, blah, blah, blah. So I told Lena, I said, yeah, this this is what's happening out there. She said, what's happening? I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And she said, well, you know, they got to make a living, too. I said, yeah, that's true. You know, every girl got to do it together. I said, I said, so she said, do you know? Do you know the head one? You know, the one, the leader? I said, you know, I know because, you know, chief, I know everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I went on and uh, I said, who's like really running the streets? Not who's running you. And I said, Lena Horn. I said, Miss Horn would like to meet you. And uh, so we went and in between the matinees. I brought her name was like, I remember her name was like Peaches or something. It was like a great name, like Peach Melba or something. So we went. <laughs> and Lena and that girl, she said, hey, girl, how you doing? How y'all doing? Blah, blah, blah. Said, hey, 
Miss Horn, hey, Lenin. So she said, listen, I'm we're all out here trying to make a living. That's what Lena said. She said, mm -hmm. yes. And so she says, what do I need to do? Because you scare my customers in a way they, they don't know we all got to make a living. So Peach Melba said, well, I'll make a deal. From 8 to 10, <laughs> from, eight, from 8 to 11, from 7 to 11, we'll stay away from the Nederland, the theater, the block. And from 11, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. and, that's, mm -hmm. and, and that's what happened. Wow. Said, I'm so, that, that, yeah, that's a, yeah, because that, that's what that's, I say that that to say how Lena Horn was and how we have to realize we can't look at people, you know, because you can't say, oh, you can, where else are you going to make 500 foot? But, and then Peach, I can never because she turned around. She said, remember, after 11, all bets are off. Huh? All bets are off. That's yeah. a great story. Well, we'll leave it there while we take our break, but when we come back, I want to tell you my Lena Horn story oh, when, good. We, when we come back, okay? Uh, ladies right. and gentlemen, you're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander on the Harlem America Digital Network. We invite you to go to our website, harlemamerica.com, check out our wonderful articles and some of our past podcasts. And uh, don't forget, every Wednesday at 2 p.m. is the Foxworth Theory by Eugenia Foxworth, hosted by Eugenia Foxworth, and it's on the Harlem America Digital Network, and it's on our partner network, Voice America. We'll be right back right after this. The Foxworth Theory is what you need now, hosted by Eugenia Foxworth. Each show brings a unique guest from many walks of life. From authors and entertainers to artists, fashion, music, and business, you never know what your takeaway will be, but you'll definitely learn something new. It's a whole new type of talk show. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, so we're here with... Uh, I like that music. You do? Oh, I'm yeah. happy you do. I see you dancing over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're here with the uh, Tony Award winner, uh, uh, Miss Irene Gandhi. And uh, when the show is over, you'll be able to go to harlemamerica.com to Irene Gandhi's page where her pod, where this podcast will sit on her page. But you'll also be able to see her Tony Award acceptance speech will be up there as well. And Ooh, I'm uh, going to go. Huh? I'm going to go see myself. Yes, you'll be able to go see yourself, give the, your Tony Award speech. Um, so I, I told you I wanted to tell you my Lena Horne story. Okay. And that is uh, now she had the one woman show on Broadway. That's the show you're talking about, right? Right. Okay. So uh, her management uh, called me and said, Gee, Keith, would you like uh, tickets to come see the Lena Horne show? I said, sure. Sherman so, Sneed. That's right. Sherman Sneed. That's right. And so he gave me three tickets and we sat in the first row dead center 
first mm-hmm. row, dead center, me and two lovely ladies. So, you know, that's how I used to travel back in those days, you know. I know, so, <laughs> I know it firsthand. <laughs> so uh, after the show, the show was great. And after the show, uh, Mr. Sneed comes up and says, hey, G. Keith, would you like to go backstage and meet Miss Horn? I said, oh, certainly. So we go backstage uh, to meet Miss Horn. And when we get there, I see her standing with Aretha Franklin. So Mr. Sneed says, uh, Miss Horn, I'd like to introduce G. Keith Alexander. And Miss Horn says, oh, hello there. How are you? And before I could say anything to Miss Horn, Aretha Franklin looks at me and she says, you're G. Keith Alexander? I said, yes. She says, I used to lay on the couch with my legs wide open listening to you on the radio. I was so embarrassed because I'm standing there next to Lita Horn, who looks so demure and so, you know, so. Not really. (laughs) She wasn't like that at all. I I just have to go out and get iced tea. I see videos. Really? She was a gangster. Lita was a gangster. We were a perfect match for each other. Hmm. Really? Wow. We had a good connection. We stayed friends a long time. Oh, that's that's great. So what other story do you have for us? That's it. I'm not telling you my stories. Oh, come on. I want to keep working. (laughs) I'm telling I'm I'm thinking, trying to think of what dead people had stories I could tell. Oh, I can tell the dead people story. Okay. Okay. So Bob Fosse. Oh, no. Does everybody remember? um, Because Bob Fosse is like just theater. Um, Moonstruck. Moonstruck, okay. Yeah, what was the father's name again? Oh my God. Danny Diallo? Uh, d- 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 well, Danny, Danny was it. I'll work with Danny a lot. Danny was oh a friend God. of mine. Yeah, Danny. Yeah, don't we love him? We loved him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. D- oh d- my, he you was know, great. I, I, I took... Uh, oh my uh, God, what is it? He was I in took, the commission. I, I, I took uh, Madonna out to uh, Heskel's uh, when she was first starting out and she met Danny Aiello out there and, she, and that's where she asked Danny to play her father. Vince Gardenia. Vince right. Gardini. She asked Danny to play her father in the in the next video. Okay, so I was on the road with Vince Gardini. There was a show called Vince Gardini. Everybody he played. He was in the commish, and he played um, Cher's father mm-hmm. in Moonstruck. But he was also an actor, and he did. We did a play called Breaking Legs about Italian family, and we were on the road, and. He was amazing. We had he, every time we go and he'd cook and blah, blah, blah. And it's funny, in Trenton, he decided he was going to fall in love and he started exercising and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Vince always was up early because he was from an opera family and um, they only had money for one room and they used to hide him in the closet. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get our kids. So it was very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. So anytime we'd have an interview, he would be up early. So this particular moment, this is the day of our opening in Philadelphia. Um, he doesn't answer. He's not answering his phone. And he's not. I mean, I went to the door. He's not answering his phone. And that was a phone where you have to call the operator and she gets it. So finally... I had to break down the door and he was probably trying to call and help him, but he was still in his shorts because he must have died like, wow. yeah, that night. So the police come, mm-hmm. you know, of course. And I'm the one that found him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like answering these questions and questions and questions. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, we have a show to do. And I realized they thought maybe because they kept asking to have me separate rooms and was say that I realized this is a this is when I realized when they talk about racism it's not necessarily like that mm-hmm. they thought I was a prostitute because there was no one because they couldn't comprehend that I was a press agent on the show because I was black <laughs> and I was a woman mm-hmm. and you know how I dress mm-hmm. so that was it I said look and then I had to call New York and of course call New York everybody was on Jewish holiday it was a high a high holy days so we didn't have mm-hmm. cell phones or anything so nobody right, was right, answering right, the right. phone anyway. Nobody was answering the email. So I, just, I actually had to call to my Irish friends that owned the theater. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a story. In the, but so, so, so they thought you were a suspect? Yeah. Until <laughs> I told him I was going to sue. Yeah. Because it was early morning, he was in the shorts. He had the phone. 
You're probably trying to in the middle of that. And I didn't figure oh. it out. I'm going to say, oh, shit. And I told him, I said, you motherfuckers think I'm whore? I'm not. If I was a whore, I'd leave before the dope. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to call the Irish mafia. You know, I called, the, you know, because we know everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's was, that was the other story. Oh, okay. That's my other story. Well, you know, while we still have a, a few minutes left, why don't we talk about your uh, new venture? Uh, well, it may not be new because you, you you started it a few years ago, but now you yes. you've got a new line. Let's talk about your fur business, Irene Gandy well, Furs. Well, now well, that's a, I now I am a, a lady, Irene, because um, I'm a lady, Irene. I was knighted by the Queen Diami from the Buntu tribe of the Congo. Oh, really? I, before the pandemic came, I really was going to retire from Broadway mm-hmm. and be a part of her uh, entourage mm-hmm. and be do her global PR. But, you know, mm-hmm. she gave me a title so I could walk through everything. And then the, then the uh, pandemic hit. But be, prior to that, I um, I was with my furrier, Mr. Pete, the, fur, the New York fur sauce for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So about the 30th year, I said, you know, I need my own firm. How much money I'm spending? He said, oh, we can do that. But that means I didn't have time to design anything. So my fur line was Irene Gandy fur line. Um, and, you know, I dealt with accessories because I have affordable furs because I want everyone to have a fur. And everyone doesn't need a fur coat at my age. Maybe they have, you know, I have fur hats. I have fur jackets. I have fur gloves. And uh, and so that's what and it, was, it, was, it was great. I just pick it off the rack because my thing is, I can't design nothing if you can't make it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't have time to design nothing. And my style <laughs> is happy and whatever. You know, my colorful, style is colorful. colorful and spirited. And so I just pick it off the line. And then I work with them. Now my new line, mm-hmm. I'm working with Mr. Peace's cousin, is Steve. And it's called the Fur Warehouse. And it's called Lady Irene Furs. Affordable mm-hmm. furs and a champagne budget. Really? So tell everyone yes. where they can go and get their uh, Lady Irene fur. Oh, you know that's a good that's a good question. Just um, you can you can um, you can email me at um, um, Lady Irene uh, Lady Irene IreneGandyFurs dot com. IreneGandyFurs dot com. Yeah, and then I'll send you to because we're having a marketing meeting now because I thought that I would be able to market it when people come in, but now we're going to go online, and so. I'm going to go online to sell first because for safety and stuff, you know, people are nervous about coming out. So I'm going to do a few pieces online, vests and hats and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, I tell you what we do here at Harlem America Digital Network, when we have a yeah, guest. Yeah, I sent you some list of hers. Okay. Yeah. When we have a guest, what we do is we have our brand support page. So your podcast will sit on your page at harlemamerica.com. And oh. on that and on that page, we're going to put up if you, if you send us a banner or or some logo. sort of a, a logo or ad for yeah. your fur company, we'll we'll put that on there along with they can go to uh, your page and listen to your Tony Award uh, acceptance speech. Oh. Uh, thank you, G. Keys. Which I might add that you you thanked everybody, thanked everybody, but you didn't thank me. You left me out, but that's all right. You know, I'm doing this show. I should thank you. This is oh. your thank you. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> tell Eugenia, tell Eugenia, this is your thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, all right. So what's in the, oh, let me ask you this. Out of all that you've done, what did you have to give up to become the Irene Gandy that we know today? Did you give anything up? I think I gave up, or they gave me up. <laughs> but what I didn't, because I still have an amazing relationship with my child, Myra Gandy. Beautiful, beautiful yes. young lady. Who, um, when and the she's pandemic, an she's a well. she says, Myra, you, you're amazing artist. You're going to die, mom. Because Sardis is closed. <laughs> she says, the rest of the bunch are closed at Broadway. And she moved out of her apartment. She came back from L.A. and stayed with me for four months. I don't think I don't think of things of giving up. I think what I gained, but I think in terms of relationship, I I've never had like a a meaningful. I mean, it was me a meaningful relationship that I shared with someone, and I tried it. And I think I don't think that I just I don't know what I gave up. I I think I do that, you know. But then the Broadway opens up, and here I am, you know, because I realize I'm only in relationships when I'm 
not working. But my relationships <laughs> I have with you, you know, really, because I get, you know, but my relationships I have with you and, and the community and stuff, I don't think about giving up because you have the choice. You know, mm-hmm. no one can make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nope. That whole thing. Somebody says, oh, you complete me. Someone says, oh, you complete me. I, I run like hell. I don't come. No, no, I can't go. I can't complete a a sentence. So I know I can't complete. You. So I don't think I gave. Him, I, I think if my daughter didn't like me, and you know she wasn't close, and I speak to her three times, you know stuff like that. You haven't given. You know it's what what you gain over these fifty years, and I'll be seventy eight, and I'm, you know, I'm looking great. I'll be seventy eight. You do. Couple, you look in, in great. November and. People still want me. I'm still working. And, you know, and, you know, I live by faith, not by fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. Don't get don't get me. Um, don't get me. Uh, I get sad, but I know it's only, you know, I get sad. That's when I try to take control. So my main prayer every morning is, God, please let me stay out of your way. And and. And I can still tie my shoes by myself. <laughs> no, really. I can still get down, zip up my shoes. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of times people have to let the doorman tie up the shoes. I mean, hey, we've got two minutes, two minutes left. Uh, what would you like for uh, aspiring Broadway? Uh, or, or anybody. Uh, I tell, I'll or, or repeat anybody. what I said. Okay. Here we go. This is what this is what I live by. Never have the question. Never have the answer before the question, mm-hmm. and never have the solution before the problem. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that, if you break up with somebody, are you going to say, "I'm going to tell this one," but they call back, or I use breakup because that's people respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the person may never call, and you have a whole answer waiting, <laughs> and the question never came. And about the solution, oh, if I move to New York, oh, maybe I won't get an apartment. I'm not going to get an apartment. Nobody's going to like me, blah, blah, blah. You haven't even done it. You've talked to yourself out of stuff. And please, don't, not, no, no offense to people who weigh 500 pounds. But if you are, are your happy size or whatever, don't listen to people. You always, it's a source. Look where the source is coming from. That's right. All right. Well, we're, we're going to have to outsource uh, this show. Uh, we, we're going to have to get, we, we have to say <laughs> goodbye. Thank you so much. Uh, thank we, you for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. We're getting ready to run over time, but I just want to say thank you, Irene. <gasps> I love you and uh, have a great too. day and a better one tomorrow. And okay. ladies and gentlemen, don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you've walked a mile in his or her shoes or whatever she's wearing. And remember, go to HarlemAmerica.com for some wonderful, wonderful uh, entertainment. Thank you so much. Thank you, G. Keith. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye as a sound guy. Bye. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.